Chapter Two, Part Two of The Spring of Joy by Mary Webb. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. Joy, Part Two The Joy of Music. Eftsoons they heard a most melodious sound. Spencer. The music of nature, vocal and orchestral, laughs and sobs through the seasons with eternal variations. Ominous, reassuring, triumphant, tender, it swells across the world and across the ages in majestic diapason, and is suddenly hushed for the humble solo of a robin. The composition is so large and intricate that we cannot discern the thread of the melody nor the idea beneath the music. Sometimes we distinguish a few chords, even a bar or two, but our grasp is too small and our life too short to attain any continuous consciousness of its development. We are like people who come into an opera house and hear a snatch of some bridal song or a stave of the pilgrim's chorus and then are called away. Occasionally some of the detached sounds weave themselves into an air. I have heard rain on leaves, the lowing of cattle, and the shrill song of a gnat unite in this way. But as a rule we have to be content with scattered and lonely notes, like one who knows some distant music only through the floating echo of a flute the far sweet quiver of a violin. This music has for treble the faint cheeping of little birds, the falling of a seed, the flow of sap. For bass, the loud utterances of the sea, the passion and melancholy of the winds. Some notes bring more joy than others, perhaps because they mean more. When the first thrush sings between January snowstorms with such appealing charm, he is chanting the recitative that leads on the great spring chorus. Something like his must have been the song of the first bird on the earliest budding tree when the world was young. Akin to it may be the song of some early waking spirit, and who can say that spirits shall not awake? like the scarlet moth from her chrysalis, the golden bird from her egg. Beginning falteringly, the music that will be taken up, like the chant of a dawn blackbird, by the gathering glee-men. How the thrush sings in April on the high yew bough! You may stand close to his tree and watch his bright throat quiver. He is so absorbed that he never hears a footstep. How thrillingly he pleads. Come hither, love, come here, come here to me. Now, 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 come to the yew-tree bough. Sweet dear, sweet dear, mine, mine, come, or I come to you, you, you. Come here, come here to me. He sings in the air as he flies, he sings on the ground, he is a fire with song. Among the pale green elm samaras the blackbird sits alone, and out of his long brooding weaves a strong enchantment. 
he sings falls in his effortless way from the green height to the green depth and sings again now in every country place the birds translate the happiness into delicious song live laugh cries the chiff-chaff all day long careless of elaboration if he can give his message effectually cutting the silence with his two small notes like silver shears the tom-tit with characteristic egotism shouts me 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 the yellow-hammer and the hedge-sparrow tell over their short recurring staves the green linnet sits erect though his body sways with music the notes come slipping through the leaves like rain and sometimes he throws back his head and laughs the cheery babble of starlings fills any pauses and the lark mercury of spring goes on skied messages then one morning you wake to a consciousness of something more across the lighter singing strikes the borden notes of the cuckoo expressing the cosmos for himself in two syllables saying the same thing as cuckoos were saying when watling street was made of which we long to know the interpretation the willow wrens begin their ethereal whisperings the black cap comes he is the meister singer of gardens where the nightingale is absent in a moment as you stand by the willow where he is he opens the doors of delight his swift winning phrases go lilting up and down in continuous sweetness for an hour at a time then suddenly there are the swallows clinging to the eaves and to branches over water chattering with lovely monotony singing long songs that pass and come again low serene contemplative so all day between dusk and dusk there is music and even in the dark the sedge warbler wakes and sings while night pales towards the dawn you can hear him down in the dim trees by the water his tenuous notes are scarcely strong enough to pierce even the silence but to sleepless people weary of the night his song is comfortable they love him for singing his lonely small roundelay not waiting for the chorus or the sun multitudes of soft sounds make up the music of spring a gentle stir of growth the crisp rustle of daffodils against one another the wind communing with young leaves and the air is full of plaintive voices of small creatures questioning of life as the grass grows deep and june slips by the birds sing only in the cool and the burden of the music is taken up by the trees and the fields when the ear is attuned to this fainter singing it hears in each tree a different voice sighing discoursing laughing oak leaves on their firm stiff stems brush one another roughly long pendant willow leaves move with a sleepy whisper chestnut leaves lip one another consolingly aspens and poplars have their leaves hung loosely on stalks almost as flexible as the veins they are soft and thick so the mere hint of a breeze sets them twisting round to talk together the continual motion sounds like running water 
and in quiet places you can hear it across a wide field. The wind fans in the maple, harps in the needles of a pine, sighs in silver birches, and rolls like an organ in the cedar. The other chief singer of summer is the grass. It is the very voice of earth, taking us into her confidence. To hear it, you must go to some upland away from water and trees, and lie with the green forest above you. Then you will hear the silky ripple of the blades, and the velvet caress of the ripe brown grass heads, swelling to a multitudinous soft whisper as the breeze goes by. These murmurs, the hum of bees in the clover, the shrilling of crickets, charm and possess the silent noon. Falling into a dream, you will suddenly be startled by a resonant imperious voice close by, shouting in a strange language. Rising on your elbow, mystified, you will see a small dark bird running away among the grass, and for once you will have heard the corncrake as the little people of the fields hear him. Of all summer music, there is nothing more contented than the sound of a herd cropping cool grass in the shade. It is as refreshing to hear as running water. When the cows come farmwards at milking time with the unyoked horses, a harmonious tumult rises, filling the warm silence as syllabub fills a bowl. Among all these gentle melodies, there breaks out the occasional forceful bass of a thunderstorm, with rushes of rain and an eerie wind which passes furtively in the treetops. Just before autumn, the oatfields begin their dry-throated song, louder than that of the grass, and heavier grains keep time with fairy castanets. Sounds of reaping begin to haunt the air. The prelude of autumn has begun. On still September mornings, when a sweet warm wind blows under the grey sky, sounds carry far. The bleating of sheep, calls from far-off fields, the sharp trot of a horse on a hard road, the hum of threshing. The rooks fly in long black threads across the uplands to the stubble fields, and the sense of tranquillity is deepened by their erratic cawing. Some of the harshest tones of nature bring the deepest rest. Few things are so unmusical as the voices of rooks, yet a home with a rookery is a very peaceful place. Perhaps the continual cawing, like the ticking of a clock in a quiet room, emphasizes the surrounding hush. Perhaps it is the association of childhood and calm days, or is it something deep and old as earth that lurks in the harsh voices and comes poignantly to our hearts? Hear them on a windless evening, winging homeward heavily through the rain with desultory cawing. Listen as they settle clamorously for the night, and you will know how well they filled the pauses made by departing sweetness. Autumn is full of leave-taking. In September, the swallows are chattering of destination and departure like a crowd of tourists, and soon they are gone. Gone also are the willow-wrens and the blackcaps and the reed-sparrows, and the cuckoo has long been part of the echoing past. 
it is the day of small things the wren's bell-like note and the wild little song of the tits are quite impressive now the robin is chief singer his voice ascends like a spiral stair every ringing note a roundel for the mounting spirit down through the sere leaves comes the first chestnut others follow in quickening commotion beginning their long pilgrimage to perfection a hundred years hence they will stand in bridal white against the blue then the complaint of falling leaves begins swells in ghostly crescendo and is hushed once more as in early spring the air is full of wings missile thrushes field fairs and red poles are busy in the ploughlands great gatherings of starlings assemble in the afternoon to go to roost in the reeds when thousands of them rise together there is a sound like the unfurling of a silken banner flocks of wild geese pass over and their strange cry falls from the sky the peewits wheel and call continually and from amid the ripple of their wings their cry sounds lost and lovely as some naiad's voice beneath running water now the four winds stand up to sing their winter song the melancholy south the east inarticulate with mist the wild west and the sonorous north with its half-audible sigh of snow their strong masculine voices harmonize perfectly with the severe outline of winter the thud of snow from creaking pine branches the cracking of ice on the meres the reverberating fall of rocks split by the black frost on the hilltop the shivering whimper of owls these are the crude notes of the dark months so the year's music draws to a close which means a new beginning in listening to it there is never the unrest that one feels in hearing a beautiful song the sorrow of knowing that it will soon be over nature's music is never over her silences are pauses not conclusions they emphasize the music it is between thunderclaps when the reverberations have sunk into tense stillness that you realize the thunder when you lean from your window into the silence of a country night you are not aware of it at first it is like an invisible enclosing bowl and you become aware of its depth only when a fox's bark rings in it like a sharp silver thing striking the sides once and yet again or when the song of a willow wren patters into it in a succession of liquid notes few things bring such healing to a worn spirit as this silence which falls softly layer upon layer on the jaded mind like blossoms on a rough cart track music expresses the other delights of nature and is intensified by them so the calling of cuckoos completes the beauty of the grass fields racing shadows depths of green powdered with daisies the scent of vernal grass are all taken up into the haunting cry so the blackbird gives to all the silent breaths and pulses of april a voice and they give him a setting for his song when the witch elm sprays are crimson rosaries set and ordered without fingers 
when the pear trees are hung with bright little globes that shine like raindrops and are indeed drops from the great storm of life that is sweeping over all things then the rhapsody of a blackbird says for us all the things that we feel his is a magic melody sweeter even than the singing of those wondrous birds of rhiannon whose song was at a great distance over the sea yet appeared as distinct as if they were close by and fourscore years passed as a day in listening to them and there was no remembrance of sorrow whatsoever in every field are more magical songs than these fourscore aprils seem a very little time to spend in listening and while you are in the charmed circle though your eyes may be full of tears there is no remembrance of sorrow at all sometimes when the music of earth is most arresting we seem to hear through it an unknown personality far off in the terror of great beauty summoning us poor wanderers in tones reassuring as a herdsman's call to his cattle on the mountains simple and homely End of chapter 2, part 2